And we're live. They're a little bit quick in with the intro music today, but this happens to be the Green Majority. Maybe I'll hum something this week. You're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. We have a special show today, and what I mean by special is I mean we are basically ad-libbing the whole show. Am I showing off? Maybe. Or we maybe just, uh, I did not have an opportunity to make an interview this week. However, we have a lot of stuff we're going to talk about because there's been a ton of really big news items. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit lonely here in the studio this week because uh, my uh, compatriot and uh, other co-host, Stefan Hostetter, is, in fact, in Boston. That lucky person gets uh, vacations once in a while, so uh, we're hoping he's having a good time. I am still here with Kevin Farmer, though, who's going to be chiming in throughout the show. Uh, We do have a number of items very specifically that we do want to get to, and the first big one we're going to get to in a minute was, of course, um, the one that's been making all sorts of headlines and basically is like a constant ring of noise. Unless you're the mainstream media and then they mention it occasionally... Uh, and not always in a good light, which is, of course, the ongoing uh, Kinder Morgan issue uh, and the Burnaby uh, Mountain protests. Uh, Basically, daily news items coming out about this, lots and lots of detail. Um, It does seem to definitely have uh, been and continues to be a little bit of a catalyst uh, for some uh, nonviolent direct action. Uh, And I think uh, the first comment we'll make about it was good. Uh, the basically there's been um, a, a number of people who've been arrested uh, uh, as of a couple of days ago. I don't have the most current numbers, uh, but as of two days ago, we were looking at about 103 people have been arrested. Um, and the first thing I want to get into, uh, which is of course the fact that many of these arrests, according to um, the BCCLA, uh, is that they're potentially not legal arrests in the first place. Uh, that would be the BC Civil Liberties Union uh, Association, rather. Uh, I was thinking ACL, ACLU there for a minute. Uh, the, the BC Civil Liber- Liberties Association. Uh, now, how could this be, of course, with the police? But it does appear, essentially, and, and uh, the, I'm going from the Vancouver Observer uh, article right now, um, but was essentially that there was an exclusion zone. Basically, it's like kind of, you know, we were making joking references to the safe protest area area um, uh, during the G20 where most of the arrests happened inside that area. Um, but it seems like it, it, it seems like this was I, probably I'm going to err on the side of a simple miscommunication with the police. Uh, I don't think that excuses their behavior as far as some of the violent arrests or rough behavior uh, on behalf of the police um, that we've been reading about. Uh, but I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that there was miscommunication about this. Basically, the injunction prevents people from being within a certain area. It seems, and th- this would seem to be sort of standard police procedure, although they probably should have done a little bit more homework on this before they went ahead and did that, uh, was that was to kind of set up their own perimeter. Um, the problem with that, unfortunately, was that there is a legal right to be outside of the area that's not covered by the injunction. We'll get into... Uh, the legality of of the injunction in, in just a moment, um, but it does it does seem at least uh, is so far to have simply been police incompetence, which is you know not the best, uh, but it's still better than nothing. Uh, we've had a number of violent arrests as well that's been in the news. Uh, several people with videotape of being choked or thrown to the ground. That is absolutely 
despicable and should be followed up with. Um, I know rarely it is when we're talking about the police, but uh, we should see what we can do about that. Uh, Kevin is going to be joining me in a moment as well, um, just to chime in on some of this. But we want to let people know that we are, in fact, actually taking live Twitter questions and comments today. I'd floated the idea about potentially doing live call-in, but just because it's just Kevin and I here, uh, and Kevin's also going to be contributing to part of the show uh, we didn't think that was manageable. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns uh, about the Burnaby Mountain uh, Kinnemorgan uh, issue, uh, please do tweet us. It's at Green Majority. Uh, you can go ahead and follow us while you're there as well. We do send out quite a bit of news on that account, uh, as well as comments and just new, general news about the show and that sort of thing. Um, but right now, we would like to take your questions. So if you have any questions uh, either about this or a comment you'd like to make uh, to go out on the air, uh, you can tweet at us uh, right now for the rest of the hour, basically, um, about that or any other issue, really. Uh, but Kevin, if I may... I would like to uh, uh, bring you in on that first point, uh, which was some of the stuff around sort of the the police reaction. I know you've been following this so far. We have uh, an issue around some uh, roughness with some of the protesters. We have an an issue with the BCCLA uh, saying that possibly many of those arrests were illegitimate because they were actually outside of the injunction area um, and were sort of an arbitrary boundary that the police uh, set up themselves that had nothing to do with what the actual legal... Uh, area was because, as it should be said from high in the mountains, uh, pun intended, uh, was that this is a public park outside of the area that's been granted for Kinder Morgan to work. So they really didn't have any right to arrest people. Um, so on that so far, and knowing that you've been following this, Kevin, do you, what are your thoughts sort of regarding um, how the police on the ground have been handling this, either with regards to the violence or the arrests or, or anything on that topic? Uh, hi, everyone. And sorry about the intro music. Someone deleted our music files. Oh, no. <laughs> and I almost always have a backup with me, but not today. Well, then. Uh, because we did, we, we're not playing any other content today. So at any rate, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I've, 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 I've got some... I've got some other music that we can play out on now. We, um, we shouldn't we shouldn't drone on too long about that, Kevin, because I'm going to add it in post. So everybody who's not listening to this live is going to be really confused. So we'll we'll leave we'll let it be. What what what, what intro music? What are you talking about? There was clearly <laughs> intro music, Kevin. Uh, yeah, sure. So with regards to Burnaby Mountain, uh, you know, so the with you know specific arrests and like the specific behavior of the police that I have not been reading much about. Uh, although you know, there's always there's there's always contention. Uh, you know, there's there's always complaints and contention when 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 you're trying to you know when you have like people protesting. Uh, what what I have been paying a lot of attention to, and you've alluded to it already, uh, is that uh, you know okay, so in, on some level this is this is kind of a big farce. The whole thing is has become uh, just a giant farce. Uh, for starters, this whole thing is playing out on unceded uh, First Nations land. Uh, so so you know what. We should maybe we shouldn't even be talking about an injunction imposed by a Canadian court at all. They they just might not have any standing to be ruling on this. So even if we're not going to um, honor um, the wishes of First Nations who haven't ceded this land, the uh, the the work being done by uh, uh, Kinder Morgan is uh, is being done in a, a public park. They're mm-hmm. trying to do some survey work and some test drilling. Uh, so, so now the National Energy Board has given them access to to not only access to do this work in this park, but now an injunction to exclude residents of Burnaby from being in that park to protest and apparently for making scary faces. Um, <laughs> Although, Kevin, to be fair, I've seen some of the pictures; they're fairly intimidating. 
Oh, well. that little old lady, you could see like half of her teeth. It was really, I'm, I was scared. Well, we all know grandmothers are just, you know, the source of all subversion in Canada. Raging grannies don't mess around. <laughs> they're, they're a terrorist yeah. organization, aren't they? Yeah. Or, or at least on some sort of, uh, you know, be, be very concerned watch list. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're citizens of concern, some concern for the RCMP. <laughs> so, you know, I can understand why grandmothers might be drawing a lot of attention in this scenario. Uh, but also, the mayor of Burnaby ran uh, as part of his platform was opposing this development. So again, we've got you know a local even 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 to the extent that we might want to recognize the authority of of the uh, the the local jurisdiction. <clears throat> excuse me, the local municipal jurisdiction. We've got a mandate from the people saying we don't want this. Um, and again, that's been overruled. But the thing to note about this is, I think, or a thing to note about this is that this is a pretty pretty clear-cut example of what's known as a SLAP, an S-L-A-P-P, which is, uh, if I remember correctly, a Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. You got it. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, the goal of these uh, – the goal of SLAPs is uh, – I mean, one, it helps to change the narrative. You trot out you know, some big damage claim. And that always seizes headlines. So it does, it does on some level, alter the narrative. You go on offense as opposed to defense, which I guess is in, in PR campaigns, that's always where you want to be. Um, uh, a, a, a noteworthy CBC uh, 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 personality notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> um, and the, the, so it changes the narrative and you go on offense, but also you, you, seek, you get injunctive relief. And that's all they're after. Because the vast majority of these slap cases get thrown out, and but that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to get the injunctive relief so that uh, while they're waiting for this case to be thrown out, they um, they can go in and do their survey work and their test drilling and get the work done, which is all they're they're out, out to do. And meanwhile, the public coughs up what is it a hundred thousand dollars a day now for RCMP services to enforce this injunction. Mm. Um, and the reason you know some people are touting. Uh, so a lot of these, a lot, you know, I think, I think all of the people arrested so far, at least the majority of them, have have had their charges summarily dismissed because uh, the boundaries of the injunction. You mentioned this were not were wrong; they were just wrong, and that was because the uh, the brain trust that submitted uh, uh, that 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 sought the injunction gave the wrong GPS coordinates for it. So um, in fact, they just the injunction is just simply defined legally defined for the wrong geographic area. So some people, you know, I saw my newsfeed a lot of stuff on this this morning. I didn't have a chance to look at it, but a lot of a lot of sites are saying, you know, touting this as some great victory. It isn't. That's not a great victory. The fact that those um, charges were thrown out against those uh, demonstrators doesn't show any kind of sensibility on this issue that we're actually uh, working towards. It just admits that the boundaries of the injunction were were incorrect. Uh, however, what what I did see, and these are just headlines that I haven't had a chance to look like this morning on newsfeed. There does seem to be. Uh, it does seem to be the case that a judge is not granting an extension for the injunction, and now that would be some kind of a victory because uh, they're, you know, if for, however they got this injunction in the first place, someone is saying, "Well, you had your kick at the can, and uh, we're not going to we're not going to give it to you anymore." At least that's that's just kind of a you know a notion I gleaned from seeing a bunch of headlines on this this morning. Uh, but the you know the thing is, you know, over and above this issue, um, I think it's only Quebec in Canada is the only. Uh, jurisdiction that has uh, 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 legislation to deal with SLAP. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure that Ontario had some on, I guess, the notice paper uh, before the, the last election. I think it died 
and it and I gather that uh, the the provincial government here in Ontario has plans to reintroduce this kind of legislation. And I think generally the the approach is just that um, what you need is some kind of uh, uh, a panel that can convene quickly to just sort of decide the merits of the case because you know the vast majority of them do get thrown out. But they also do succeed in their purpose, which is not their stated purpose. Mm. And it just discourages, well, public participation. So, you know, if you could convene a panel very quickly to say, ah, come on, guys. We, you know, we, we can see what this is intended to do. And nice try. Thanks for tying up the courts and, and using it as a cudgel against your opponents because you've got, and you've got you know, an army of lawyers in deep pockets. But yeah. we're, we're going to throw this out. And that's pretty much all it would take. I, I I've thought about I, I've thought about this before because I mean in, uh, this is a really great example of one where obviously I mean my immediate reaction you can you can go back and check the podcast when when we first started talking about this and it first came up that they were going to uh, try and employ this sort of tactic my immediate reaction and and I you know have to be on record here as being wrong was that I was like come on guys there's no way. And then the news came out like the, the two days later or by the Monday that they'd gotten it and I was like damn <laughs> i genuinely surprised i oh, didn't mean not, the injunction yeah the i did not yeah. think that was going through but um my sort of thought on how to deal with that is because <laughs> you know unfortunately when we get into with sort of like making a snap decision as to whether or not uh a, a case like this a suit like this is is legitimate is unfortunately as you sort of will you get into the problem there of does that mean some non-proper trial gets to determine the validity of a court case which is sort of i could see why people would be uncomfortable with that concept so uh, i would propose a different way to deal with it would just be if it can be uh, sort of demonstrated. And, and of course, there would have to be a sort of a level of, of evidence here to, to show that. But so we would develop a metric by which we would make this decision. But if it could be shown after the fact that there it, there was a knowledge that there was almost no likelihood to succeed and such, you know, we would come up with some sort of de- legal definition of something that fit into a slap that you just get automatically counterfined for like $10 million or like <laughs> 10 times the amount that you were trying to seek. If it can be demonstrated, you know, under some rule of law that we would develop to deal with this sort of thing, that that was the only intention that you should have to pay like 10 times the amount that you tried to you tried to sue for that maybe would would provide some sort of uh, protection for the public well like i said quebec's already got legislation to deal with this like you know, people people have already studied this uh this this you know people have already studied slap and uh and have come to have come up with recommendations that do seem to work in quebec and and uh, like i said ontario does have did have something on the books and, and probably will in the future uh i i gather just from the bit of reading i've done that it's really not that hard to to figure out which you know that these are that these are you know just punitive or it, it, they're, they're lawsuits that aren't meant to succeed, and they're just meant to 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 silence uh, uh, criticism and 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 protest and and opposition. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm. So uh, I gather it's just not so difficult, and uh, you know, but and it, it does raise a larger question that pos- well, actually, um, you know, this okay. So the the courts can absolutely be used. To, to bludgeon your opponents if you, if you know in the classic David and Goliath scenario where you've got like big corporations with lots of money and armies of lawyers and throughout my entire life it has been it has been routine that um, indigenous communities are just are just bludgeoned by court proceedings and mm-hmm. you've got you know the classic scenario where you're downwind of something or downstream of something and uh, and the onus is mysteriously on you to prove 
that the effluent coming from the mining operation or the refinery or whatever it is or the chemical plant, it's up to you to prove that that's the source of the contaminants in your fish. That's the source of your weird cancer cluster. That's a, And those, I mean, those environmental studies are expensive. Hiring experts is expensive. And you've, and, and you, the onus is on the people who ultimately turn out to be the victims to prove that they're being victimized. And then you can, you know, these things can drag out forever in court. And, and again, if you, you can just be, you can be defeated by a resource mis- mismatch. And, you know, so, so maybe on, maybe on a slightly more abstract level, uh, it, it, this, this does sort of raise an interesting discussion. I think we need to have someday about uh, socializing access to, to the legal system, the same way we've socialized access to medicine, that you just can't have, you just can't have such an obvious barrier to justice that is just so lopsided and can be subverted, just utterly and completely subverted by access to money. Which reminds me of, um, I, I don't know where it came from, and, and possibly uh, I, possibly it's something much older. I, I, I'll have to admit complete ignorance on this fact. But as far as my awareness, uh, the line for 2014, for me, has been uh, socialize the costs and privatize the profits. So I heard that somewhere, and I've been using it ever since. I think it's amazing because less so here in Canada, but it's uh, but still to a degree, but very much in the U.S. There's this sort of you know the 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 word social socialize or socialism has been demonized to be extremely successfully. But we have socialized healthcare in this country, so clearly not, and and most people approve of that. Uh, but also, like it's like well, okay, well if we're against socialism, well then why do we give corporations socialism for mm-hmm. all of their for getting rid of all of the costs? Of, of their of their profit making schemes, and what about that amazing act of uh, social welfare known as the armed forces? <laughs> that, 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 I mean, I mean, that is like one of the 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 most obvious acts uh, of socialism is contributing to the common defense, and that one just never you know that that just never comes up or anything like police forces or streetlights or sidewalks or you know, a, a sewer system or a water supply. Some things are just simply accomplished better collectively. And that, I don't know, I, I think we get really hung up on these labels to some extent and the history of some of these movements to some extent. But absolutely, when you talk about this and you talk about this notion of uh, 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 privatizing the profits and socializing the costs, it was economics that invented the term externality. <laughs> it's not like it's not like they're being coy about this. They've got they, you know they, the, well, they, they invented word. the word to say that it doesn't exist. Well, actually, I've never even found that they're very candid about the notion that you know a great way to make money is to have other people foot the bill for your for your transactions. Oh, not 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 in the not in the media, but like when I was doing my first year economics, which as if I can do a, a public PSA for a moment, any anyone who's an aspiring or current or considers himself currently to be an environmental activist, you you sh- should take please take my advice and either do a little bit of your own homework or if you're still in school or have an opportunity to do this uh, the best one of the best pieces of recommendation I can do is take a first year economics course uh, oh, yeah, if, if for no yeah. other reason yeah. then it allows you to uh, speak in the language of many of the people that we need to convince which if if you know if that's not your focus then I really don't know where you're putting your your energy is to change more people's minds because I think that you know I think it's it's 
there was a line years ago, and in fact, Kevin, you may remember me saying this, but there was a George Mambiat quote where he came out and he said something about Canada being a corrupt petro-state. He, he, he coined that line. Yeah. I'm sure of it. This was years ago. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. We're, we're talking, yeah. we're going way back to the archives for this. I don't, <laughs> I don't even think that episode is still on our website. That's how far back we're going. And, and at the time, if you remember, uh, I said, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> And I have since retaken that back. No, I'm full. You know what? I'm totally on board. Mambiat had it right. Maybe he wasn't right at the time. Maybe he was. But I, I'm finding it very hard to disagree with that. Um, Elizabeth May, for instance, re- very recently put out. I don't have it on for, uh, right in front of me. Unfortunately, I won't be able to cite it. But if you are interested, I can I can get it to them if they missed it. Um, recently wrote an article questioning whether or not we even live in a democracy anymore. Well, she is such a good writer. And that is such a good article. <laughs> and she is she is very well versed. In Canadian history, I, 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 she was born in America, or the U.S., I guess. Uh, but uh, but she's also very up to – she's very well informed about the history of the Westminster parliamentary system, which is what we have here in Canada. And she uh, she is just well – she's a fantastic writer, and she's very thoughtful, and she's very smart. And on this issue in particular, she really knows what she's talking about. Well, and, and other issues as well, but and if we can, she's very informed, very knowledgeable about our system of government. Uh, I want to, we're we're running up on just a, a hair over a third through to the show, so I think we'll we'll go to a music break in here in a minute. Um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up our comments here. But we'll 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 prepare to go to a music break here. I think. Um, but just on that uh, sort of um, subject, just the the whole idea of you know, kind of influence over politics and, and you know, uh, the corporate influence and the influence of money. And it, it seems to me that it's it's sort of very common for people to sort of make statements and you, and you hear all these things about, oh, you know, we don't have uh, representative democracy and whatnot. And then, but then at the same sort of breath, you know, people will tell you, well, just go and vote. And, and I don't necessarily have an opinion on this sort of subject, but you know, it's. It seems to me that the only logical conclusion, and, and maybe we'll we'll end right before the music break with your response to to my assertions here, Kevin. But um, but it it just sort of seems to me that that's not a very satisfying answer. And and I and I understand why people don't, you know, why we don't have ninety eight percent voting rates, and why it's why it's frighteningly low occasionally, and and definitely there's been a downward trend overall, um, because. Uh, because it isn't good enough. But at the same point, I, I, I really – nothing frustrates me more than people are like, well, then I'm, you know, I'm not going to vote and the whole system's corrupt and screw it. No, that's not the right answer either. <laughs> the answer is, is that you have a job as a citizen to engage with your democracy uh, even if you think that democracy is in scare quotes consistently. The, the time when we go to vote is, when you, when, is, is sort of when all the votes get tallied, if you will. But the actual process of influencing politics is all of the time in between elections. And if you're not doing anything then, well, then, you know, you really don't have any right to complain. And, and you know, I'm, uh, you know I, I put my time in uh, doing in the show, and I, I consider that a little bit of sort of my public service on that end. But not everybody has to have a radio show. Um, you could, there's a, there's a multitude of ways. I'm, even if we're not counting the sort of ability for anybody to be an internet, you know, to have a voice on the internet is, you know, talking to your friends, all these things. One of these things I've come up with was, you know, we shouldn't be waiting for an election then deciding, you know, maybe as an environmentalist, if my big issue is, is the environment closely followed by, you know, a number of other issues, I'm not a one issue person, but, um, you know, you should be going to your, you know, candidate and say, if you traditionally vote for a liberal, or if you traditionally vote for a conservative or a green party or, or whoever, or the NDP, it's not you know you don't you don't wait until the election and then go okay so whose platform best suits my 
preconceptions about what we should want. No, you should say, okay, who's traditionally the closest to what I want? And then I should be lobbying them constantly to do better. Kevin, your response before we go to a music break. Yeah, I'll be real fast about this because otherwise I'll talk all day. Um, (laughs) As as someone who has campaigned to get people to vote for him in an election, uh, I will will agree fundamentally with what you just said that getting out to vote is one thing, but participation between the election cycles is uh, is really where all the action takes place. Uh, I can assure you that's true. uh, having said that, this notion of declining voter turnout, I don't blame people for not going to vote when there's simply no one representing them. And you've got three flavors of the same thing to choose from for the most part. Uh, um, uh, you know, I, I can accept mandatory voting when there's a, a box on the ballot that says none of the above. And, uh, and then you have a runoff and until you have essentially a quorum, uh, no one gets to like, the, sorry, proportional representation for starters. In a multi-party system, I think it's absurd that we don't have proportional representation. And, uh, and until someone, until some party or some coalition of parties can claim to have 51% of the support, they can't vote. And that includes a ballot that says none of the above. Sorry, go back and try again because, frankly, none of you are appealing to me. And I think that would be <laughs> maybe – entirely unworkable and a hot mess of, of epic proportions but but uh, sometimes i think it is simply the only answer and you you can say you can decry people for not turning out to vote um but but again it, it, i mean if there's just if no one's speaking to you if absolutely no one is trying to represent you and our system rewards that it rewards sort of wedge issue politics it rewards regionalism it rewards uh firing up um a very it, it rewards parties that have, and I won't name names. That, uh, <laughs> Do you need that, to? <laughs> that, that have a very animated base and are willing to resort to ugly politics to just drive everyone else away, uh, so that y- you win by by having the largest share of a declining total. <laughs> and without a doubt, that figures into our political calculations. So anyway, you've you've made it a point. I think that people need to really hear is that it's participation between the election cycles that matters. Having said that, people need enough free time and enough spare money to to have the resources to participate, to engage in the process. They need a little time to educate themselves on the issues. They need enough hours in the day. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just a, it's just another thing we need to fix in our society, that people need the time and the resources and the enthusiasm to, to get involved in the political process. All right, so we're we're going to take it there for for a quick break. I'll just uh, uh, make a, at Poor Man's Media uh, made a comment here, which was uh, I think I, I just wanted to read out, which was interesting. Which was a scientific study was concluded and released earlier this year that concluded America was an oligarchy. Canada equals the same. Uh, I in fact saw that um, the uh, research, and it was done by a highly reputable uh, uh, secondary uh, uh, school. I, I'm, I'm I think it might have been Princeton, but it, we're talking about a, like a, a very well known school. Um, Interesting subjects. Uh, really enjoy. I think you meant to say post-secondary. Post-secondary. Uh, yeah. Sorry, did I and say right, pre-secondary? Wait, no, you just said secondary, which makes it sound like a high school. No, this was, <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. No, this was this was quality research uh, that shows that um, uh, if you track if you track the votes, it has reflected the the priorities of the wealthiest people consistently uh, over time in, in the states, uh, to the exclusion of the middle class to some extent or to a greater extent, and to the exclusion of what you might call, I guess, the lower class. I don't know what the right words are anymore. Uh, to, a, to a great extent. So it just the, the vote simply follows the interests of the moneyed classes, who we have to remind ourselves are the political donors. 
All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. If you have any questions or comments, tweet us live right now at uh, at Green Majority. Other than that, we'll be right back after this music break. And we're back. You're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM or possibly on one of our wonderful community radio syndicates across the country. Very much appreciated. As always, as they have been since 2006. Dang. We've been on the air a long time. 
Not going to quit anytime soon, folks, if you have questions or concerns today. However, we are doing something a little bit unusual, which is we're taking uh, comments or questions via Twitter. So if you have any, if you'd like to chime in, feel free to go ahead and tweet us at at Green Majority. Uh, if people are enjoying it, then we may actually spend, uh, we may actually do this more often. So uh, even if you don't have anything to say necessarily about the subject at hand, but you're enjoying the show today, please do let us know. Always appreciate your uh, comments and feedback. Hey, if you hate the show, let us know too. I take all comers. Uh, I'm going to spend a minute just talking about... Uh, um, a project I've been working on here, uh, as we've been mentioning from time to time as well, Stefan and I have been hard at work doing a variety of things in addition to sort of value added for the show. We've been uh, producing a number of YouTube uh, videos. They're getting better all the time, uh, to which I say that because uh, neither Stefan nor I are uh, video producers. However, I, you know, to toot my own horn for a minute, they're getting... They're getting pretty decent, uh, and in fact, we did get a little bit of coverage from the Vancouver Observer, so shout out to them as well. They're doing excellent work, I might uh, might add. Uh, Kevin's sticking his hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, not to engage in some shameless log rolling here, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think I, I, I think I've actually been following the Vancouver Observer in my newsfeed since shortly after they appeared. They're only about a year old as a publication, right? I, I don't know if you remember this, Kevin, but right before they came out, we actually had somebody from there project as an interview live announcing that they would be coming out so we were the one of the first people to talk about them i had i i have no memory of that but i'm old <laughs> uh, so so i discovered them serendipitously and i had yeah you and i actually don't coordinate very much on this show and if uh, i'm fully i was fully unaware that you had they had interviewed you until you posted that <laughs> well it was funny that it was i didn't know that either it wasn't a direct interview we we simply sent out a press release announcing some of the new work that we're doing and and they picked it up and uh reposted uh reposted the press release on their website, which was really great, and uh, and I had a little back and forth with them, and said they'd be listening. So, Vancouver Observer, if you're listening, we love you guys. You're yeah, awesome. yeah. Again, it, it, at the at the risk of you know engaging in shameless log rolling, uh, <laughs> they they in a in a media landscape that is uh, 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 quite devoid of good environmental coverage outside of us. Um, they 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 they're very good. I I would recommend everyone just you know follow them, and if you're interested in environmental news, Vancouver Observer is covering stories really well yeah and I'll, I'll go ahead and actually plug one more although these these people have not so far given us a shout out but i'll forgive them uh is another one that i've been really impressed with recently kevin i don't know if this has been on your radar but uh, common dreams is another uh site that's been doing some excellent reporting they're not exclusively environment neither is vancouver observer but uh they do do a lot of really good reporting and uh and more importantly than just the fact that they're talking about these issues because uh, there is a lot of that environment stuff out there there's a lot of places you can get environment news um common dreams and vancouver of observer are not just covering these issues but they're they're doing a very good job in covering them so just a little plug for those two um so really quickly about what we've been doing as well so stefan and i've been doing videos um as well to try and summarize news items and and that sort of idea the the difference where we sort of set ourselves apart with our intention was um we're doing something that i think that nobody else is really doing which is we're actually focusing not that nobody else does this at all but our pure goal our number one and only laser pointed focus on this is presenting content in a way that does not require you to already have bought in in some way to environmentalism. So we're actively trying to lobby the mushy middle. I'm not worrying about the Glenn Beck crowd or the, the super, you know, insanely ideological, not going to listen to any rational argument crowd. But the mushy middle, the folks that, that are maybe on the fence and, and I think have yet to simply be reached out to and, and, and engaged with 
in a way that does not turn them off, which is a to sort of stick in all sorts of either deep green philosophy or, or quote unquote left wing sort of ideology and that sort of thing. But just try and make the case in the most populist possible format uh, in general and to actually make this movement bigger. Because what we see, and this is something I'm stealing from you, I'll, uh, we'll go to you in one second here, Kevin, but uh, something I stole from you, which is years ago, like basically from my first week on the show, you've been saying this, which was that environmentalism Canada is a mile wide and an inch deep. And what, and what I th- if I'm correctly remembering what you meant by that, it was that everybody votes, if you ask, ask them how important the environment is, they say it's really, really high, number one issue, or very close second, right up until an election when people start scaring the crap out of voters with about the economy, and then everyone drops it. Uh, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, I, you, you, I have a checklist to if people want to determine if, they're, if they should call themselves an environmentalist or not, if you're trying to appeal to the mushy middle. And if, if anyone out there is wondering if they're part of the mushy middle, I have a checklist. <laughs> uh, four, four things. If you, uh, if you answer yes to any one of these, you're an environmentalist. Number one, do you breathe? <laughs> uh, number two, do you drink water? Uh, number three, uh, do you eat food? Number four, do you have children? If you answered yes to any one of those things, you're an environmentalist. Amazing. <laughs> and and, well, that's, and, and that's... yeah, you're right about the election cycle. And you said it much better than I did. I said it's, so environmental support is very broad but not deep. And it's, it's hilarious. And, and the Toronto Star actually published a letter I wrote recently that made this exact quip. Um, that uh, uh, the you know we're shouted down as alarmists all the time, but actual alarmism, like environmentalism, is not alarmist. It's just alarming. It's not alarmist if it's true. Yeah, it's just alarming. And actual alarmism is 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 the continual. Uh, stampeding of the electorate with alarm on the economy. If you yell fire in a crowded theater and the theater is actually on fire, you're not an alarmist. You're <laughs> yeah. saving lives. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you know, it's you know, you're right. We get the elect- the electorate gets you know a whiff of alarm on the economy will stampede an election. Yeah, and and that happens every single election. So it's particularly when it's contrasted with action on the environment. Of course, nothing is going to tank an economy more thoroughly than a destabilized climate. Nothing is going to tank an economy more thoroughly than that, more effectively than that. And, you know, so that, you know, the alarmism is to make people uh, too afraid to take action on the environment because they're alarmed about the economy uh, when not taking action on the on huge environmental issues like global warming will, in fact, crater an economy. So I just want to make a, a couple of other quick comments and, and wrap up what I was saying about the show. And, uh, and we, we, we might actually take an, our other quick break because we're getting up to about 20 minutes left here. Um, the, but uh, Joe Wilson, 7199, who's been a fan of the show for quite some time. So a big shout out to Joe. Thanks so much for all your support. Um, it said a little off topic, but you have been following. Uh, but have you been following the disaster at WIPP and the OPG DGR proposal progress? And uh, perhaps I haven't had enough coffee this morning, but those acronyms are actually going over my head at the moment moment. So sorry, uh, sorry, Joe, but if you send us a, a link to what that uh, to what that is, we'd be happy to uh, to deal with it in the future. It's entirely possible that I have been following it. I'm just uh, I'm not awake yet enough right now to uh, to to remember all the acronyms. That's uh, sort of the curse of Twitter. Uh, and uh, also uh, the blind videographer uh, at blind underscore videos to says love the idea of having a none of the above option on ballots. Yes. So Kevin, you have one fan for your idea there. One vote for votelessness. Yay. Well, two. I'll vote for that. 
I'll vote for that as well. Uh, so just to wrap up really quickly, uh, so basically what I was getting at, so Stefan and I have been, have been doing a lot of really hard work um, on some videos. They're, they're improving every single week. We do that with zero budget, literally, um, as well. But there is a number of ways that you can help out. You can contribute to the content. Um, you can help suggest ideas. There's a few things that you can do. So if you would actually like to be involved with helping to expand the show uh, and helping to get other forms of content out there, you can do that at greenmajority.ca. There's a whole bunch of ways on there now. So what we ha- we, we've had sort of traditionally for years was it was just a place to get the podcast, which I should also remind folks that our podcast is, is back online and finally in a way that will never be taken down because it's not dependent on our website anymore. It's now being hosted by SoundCloud, which also gives us some really fancy graphics uh, for the embeds, which looks really cool. Uh, but there's now is not just a link to the radio show. There's a link there to a ton of other content that we're working on, uh, both so that you can check it out and also so that you can tr- contribute and help. Uh, there's a number of ways that you can help us. I'm just going to list a few of those other ways as well. First of all, we have a Buy Less Crap campaign going on right now which you can check out at greenmajority.ca slash buy less crap, um, which will be going until the beginning of January. We also have added an endorsement section. So if you're a fan of the show, we've had a number of people comment on my LinkedIn, but I know not everybody really pays that much attention to LinkedIn. Certain communities do, but it's not really sort of the go-to. Um, and I can't repost them because you have to sort of have your own name on it. So I didn't want a whole bunch of complimentary things being said about the show and then have all of them look like I wrote them. Um, so please, you could do us a favor if, you, if you're a fan of the show, if you're enjoying the show today, please do go to greenmajority.ca there's a tab called Kevin love under which you can give us some love there's a tab for endorsements there's also an allies section which I've added which is a couple of uh, we have a ton of allies. Let me be clear about what this section is for. We have a number of allies. We have a number of organizations that we're huge fans of. The people under the allies section, there's only two right now. I will be adding it. This is sort of new content I've added. These are organizations that have specifically uh, been cooperatively helping us share content. So we help them. They help us. These are people we work with because we agree with what they're doing, but have also sort of helped out with promoting our stuff as well. So these are actual alliances that we have right now. There's only a couple there. One of them, I would be very, very remiss if I did not mention would be uh, 350. Dot, uh, sorry, 350 Toronto, and then also Climate Fast. So big shout out to 350 Toronto and Climate Fast. Uh, also, uh, Rob Shirky's uh, Our Horizon uh, is on there as well. Uh, I need to mention before we go to our break and before we move along with the show, Kevin has a, a bit of a rant. He has, as always, he does uh, prepared for this week. Uh, I'm just pulling up the tab here. Ah, very good. So there's two announcements I want to make. We were talking this morning for the first half of the show, basically all about. Uh, Burnaby Mountain protest. There is an international day of solidarity with Burnaby Mountain protest. If you're in the Toronto area and you wish you were in BC, there will be a solidarity action happening this Sunday, November the 30th at 2 p.m. at Young and Dundas Square. I'm going to be there. In fact, I may even bring my camera. So if you want to come down, uh, join us on Sunday at 2, please, at Young and Dundas Square. Everybody, if you're not Somewhere else where you have not somewhere you have to be. If you're just feeling lazy, no excuse. Let's see you down at Young and Dundas Square. It's the least you can do because nobody's going to get arrested here. So it's not like you're going to any sort of risk that the folks that are actually out there on the mountain are doing. There's also uh, the following day, Monday, December the 1st, if you happen to be in the Toronto area, 7 to 9 p.m. at Friends House, which is 60 Lowther in Toronto. There's a Facebook group for that as well. All this information will be on the web post for today that goes up later today. Uh, an event being uh, co-hosted by a number of groups, again, also Toronto 350 and Climate Fast as well uh, called Don't Cop Out Public Discussion on Canada's Role in COP 20 and 21 so with those uh, announcements check the website for that also a lot of other content 
If nothing else, go ahead, go to uh, go to greenmajority.ca, click on the love tab. You'll see endorsements. You can leave us a nice comment. Check out the Buy Last Crap campaign. There's a number of things we could uh, use your help, even if it's just saying a few nice things about us, to help continue this and, and get more good information out there. Uh, and also, you can continue to tweet us your questions and comments. However, the majority of the rest of the show is going to be for Kevin. So we'll go to our final music break. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll be right back. <laughs> and it's called Salisbury Hill. I was in love 
right, we're coming back. We're into the home stretch. Just a little bit over 12 minutes here. So before I give Kevin the uh, the floor, I want to uh, give a couple of shout-outs. First of all, uh, Kevin, for your FYI, Joe uh, clarified those acronyms. So the WIP is the Waste Isolation, Waste Isolation Pilot Project. And the uh, second one was the Geological Repository under Lake Huron. So the second one I have very aware of. Uh, the first one I'll actually have to look up, Joe. That one has sort of slipped under my, uh, my radar. So apologies. In case you thought we were flawless and knew everything, we in fact do not. So with that, uh, oh, sorry. And one other thing was we also got a couple of followers during the show, which I'm going to assume is from all the retweets we've been getting. So thanks to everybody for all the love. And a shout out to uh, Sky and uh, Terrence uh, Wishart for uh, following us during the show today. Thanks for the follow, guys. Other than that, Kevin, the floor is yours. Uh, sure. So um, I'm playing Sarah McLaughlin for today for a reason. Uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, actually not that far. It was Kingston. But it was definitely a long time ago. I used to stay up late every night that I could, uh, back when I was still young enough to abuse caffeine and nicotine. Uh, I would stay up late every single night so I could listen to Brave New Waves on CBC Radio, hosted by Brent Bambury. Um, this was a remarkable show. It, uh, it was essentially about uh, culture, um, new new music, new new art, new things. It was it was a, about music a lot, uh, but it was about a lot of other things as well. And uh, I certainly didn't always love the music. Uh, maybe I didn't even mostly love the music, but I just always loved that show. And uh, Brent Bambury is still around at CBC. I, I think the show has disappeared, although there might be an opening in the broadcast schedule soon. Um, but uh, but uh, so one night that I was listening to uh, Brave New Waves, uh, there was one night I absolutely loved the music. I was just mesmerized. And uh, it turned out that this uh, completely unknown artist from Halifax named Sarah McLaughlin had just released an album called Touch. And the first track I played was was from that album, an album I've been listening to ever since. And uh, uh, the hour was devoted to an interview with Sarah McLaughlin and playing tracks from this song. And uh, it, like every episode of Brave New Waves, it was just worth listening to. Um, but again, tonight, uh, you know, Sarah McLaughlin has gone on to be a, a national treasure in Canada. And uh, uh, I just remember being really hypnotized by this music. So anyway, it's, I don't know how much longer later, I was out bar hopping with some friends in Kingston. Which in Kingston you can accomplish literally by hopping. Uh, there's 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 enough bars in Kingston, and they are closely enough to each other. They are they are close enough to each other. You can actually hop from one to the other, and uh, for whatever reason, we just weren't happy with anything that was on offer. One was full of engineering students, and that's always a bad sign. And uh, <laughs> others were too loud. Others were too this, too full, too whatever. Not that we're against engineers, Kevin. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of several that are listening right now, so let's not get into trouble here. I, I was specifically <laughs> referring to Queen's engineering students. Oh, yeah. Who cares about that? Yeah. <laughs> but sure, let's, let's get some more tweets. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get them any way we can. Uh, so for whatever reason, we were just turning our nose up at bar after bar after bar, and we, we thought we'd detour by a whole block out of our way and, and check out the brew pub. Uh, the brew pub is – I haven't been to Kingston in a long time. I'm sure it's still there. It was 150 years old at the time. It uh, it brewed its own beer, hence the name. Uh, but the brew pub was essentially just a big old room with tables and chairs in it. And I don't even think they played music. Uh, you just went there, sat down at, at long tables, drank beer, and talked to your friends. Uh, that's what the brew pub did. 
but mysteriously on this weird night where there was no home for us to there was no bar that was you know we could we could settle on there was a cover charge at the brew pub which made no sense at all this this was unprecedented and my friends immediately were like well you know we're not paying a cover charge to get into the brew pub certainly not i think it was something outrageous back then like 15 dollars um and I paused to see why the brew pub would actually be charging a cover, which really was unprecedented. And it was because Sarah McLaughlin was performing. And I got just all excited. And, of course, no one knew who she was, so I couldn't convince anyone to go until I paid for everyone, Wow, which was a big deal. <laughs> and uh, I just I dragged them in to listen to this woman sing. And if you haven't heard Sarah McLaughlin sing, uh, I can assure you, as someone who has, recordings just don't do her justice. They, I don't think I don't think they have the range to capture her voice. She sang a cappella in the middle of the brew pub, which was not designed for acoustics. It didn't have a stage. The performance area was just the part of the room they had pulled all the tables and chairs away from, and they just you know performed in the middle. Uh, of this pub and and she sang a cappella and I swear to God she has the voice of an angel. Uh, and then at one point um, she announced she said and I think I, I think I'm quoting her she said this is a song that needs no introduction and for me it didn't I recognized it after two notes uh, it was uh, Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill which is an iconic song in my life and um, I of course started yelling like an idiot. <laughs> Uh, but that's the second track I played today. She she often does. She's a huge Peter Gabriel fan, and she uh, uh, performs a cover of Salisbury Hill a lot of the time. So that's a long, self-indulgent ramble. Uh, but there's a point to it. Um, I'm an old fart, and like a lot of old farts in Canada, CBC Radio has been a, a huge impact in my life. Uh, you know, People growing up today in this sort of digital universe and digital panopticon, look that word up, you're living in one, <laughs> uh, uh, don't realize that, you know, CBC Radio used to be pretty much the voice of uh, Canadian culture. And it was also the source of news. And I grew up I grew up listening to it. So I have a sentimental attachment to CBC Radio, without a doubt. And that's why I'm admitting my bias. And it's also a great chance to play Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> but, uh, but for sure, my, my perceptions are colored. But, you know, as an old fart, uh, not only do I have a sentimental attachment to CBC Radio, but I've also come to the opinion over the course of my life that a, a, a public broadcaster, an independent public broadcaster, is simply vital to the proper functioning of a democracy. And we're losing that. <clears throat> we're, we're, and and without, like, without a doubt, the Harper government has the CBC in its crosshairs. They're not the first. The CBC has been in the crosshairs, in my experience, of every government since the Trudeau years. Uh, and, and it only gets worse in an era where people get more and more obsessed about controlling their message and more and more frustrated by uh you know how many how many ways they're you know social media they can't control the message anymore so i think sometimes they take their frustrations out on cbc uh where they might be able to exert some control but but without a doubt the harbor government is taking has taken this up a notch we're in a whole new era of hostility to the public broadcaster uh there right now everyone at cbc is living under an era where Millions of dollars of unspecified cuts have been announced to be rolled out over the coming years. And, and uh, uh, there 10 of 12 members of the board of directors are donors to the Conservative Party, which, I mean, that brings up its own questions about, you know, cronyism and handing out plum assignments to your, your, your uh, party uh, backers. But, uh, but it also says something when you are a party that is ideologically hostile 
to the CBC that your bosses all donate to that party. So, you know, I, I essentially use Twitter just to harass the hell out of power and politics. Uh, that's, that's my Twitter engagement. But I don't blame them for not touching sensitive topics because, frankly, their lives and livelihoods depend on their jobs, right? And it, it, I just don't blame anyone for feeling the chill. I, I was just going to add in the famous words of Stephen Colbert, uh, facts have a well-known liberal bias. <laughs> and there's studies on this about the bias of CBC and, and whatnot. But, um, and and so, so, you know, what we're seeing now is like with funding cuts, the other thing that happens is that uh, it, it changes the character of the news. And if you want the national broadcaster to be competing for sensationalism, I mean, if you just really want your news feed to be full of Justin Bieber and the antics of Rob Ford, well, we've – okay, if that's what you want, fine. But – and I, I realize there's a huge debate to be had here. But we need to kind of free our public broadcaster up from being ratings Beep. and having to compete for sensationalism and, and having the ability to just you know report on issues – over and above topics, and uh, 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 so and and so, what we're getting now, uh, along with con- c- funding cuts uh, and the the chill of working for the C- for 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 conservative party donors, uh, is we're getting you know endless uh, endless ads from the the oil lobby on CBC. So again, it's you know it's it's just another downward pressure on the on independence, independent journalism, because you're saying okay, now we're actually dependent on revenues from this oil lobby. So again, you just, I don't blame anyone for not, I don't blame anyone who does feel a chill uh, at at the CBC. Uh, And so there's a lot, I mean, CBC's clearly got some problems right now. Uh, If people want to read some biting criticisms, Andrew Mitrovica, uh, writing for iPolitics, seems to um, uh, make a regular (laughs) regular, uh, exercise out of uh, commenting on the CBC. He's the one who alerted at least me to the fact that uh, Rex Murphy and Peter Mansbridge were accepting speaking fees from, speaking fees from uh, the oil lobby, uh, and uh, uh, the other thing the other thing that's happened recently is you know Lyndon McGuire re- retired from uh, oh darn it's uh, the, the Fifth Estate, and he wrote a, a, a an, I guess kind of an op ed piece that was published that was critical of the of what is we could all guess right now is kind of a culture of celebrity at CBC that might have negative consequences and a bit of like institutional ossification and whatnot that's going on. And, you know, he was retaliated against. And so almost proving the point (laughs) that there's some, you know, a cult of celebrity and he had the temerity to speak out against one of these celebrities and, uh, you know, this institutional ossification that's going on. Uh, So, you know, so, so when I, so maybe, maybe the CBC needs some changes. And maybe maybe there's still some house cleaning that needs to be done. Maybe it needs to be freshened up and aired out a little bit. And maybe there is some, you know, damaging celebrity culture and, and institutional ossification, all those things. You know, but we do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in this case. All right. We'll have to leave it there. We are, in fact, out of time. Uh, Kevin, perhaps we can have some more Sarah Glockland to play us out in, in lieu of our, our closing music. Or I can just hum a beat if that's all right with you. Uh, no, I picked I picked my favorite piece of subversive music to play out on already. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. So my final word for the day was uh, if you've been seeing, been frustrated by all those uh, oil ads you've been seeing on YouTube and basically coming up everywhere, 
that basically to me is a good sign because they wouldn't be spending that all that money on ad revenue if they didn't have to. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I get really happy every time I see those because it means to me that they're scared. So the next time you see one of those incredibly annoying and deceptive ads for uh, Energy East or something like that on your YouTube page, don't get mad, get Photoshop. Make some fun of them, guys. All right, that's it for the Green Majority this week. We'll see everybody real soon. And uh, don't forget to visit greenmajority.ca. Leave us some nice comments. Have a good Green Week, folks. We'll see you all soon.